Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Awesome. I'm so happy that my uh, iPad woke up again. Back to the beginning. Nice thing is they said in the second service you can go twice as long, so that gives me a lot more <laughs> levity. You know, the first service almost gave you a run for your money. They, there was a lot of people here on the first service, weren't there? So anyways, we're excited to be here. We, uh, we have history with the house. Uh, I told, um, actually everything I said in the first service I'll say again, but um, they, I remember being ready to preach, being focused, like don't mess this up, and uh, I just remember all of a sudden the Lord saying, you need to raise the roof in here. It used to be tile that was about maybe three and a half feet, I think, lower than this ceiling. I said, if you raise the roof in the, in the physical, God will raise the roof in the spiritual. And uh, I was, you know, excited to see the work that they would do because in the prophetic, what you can do is just lay great big eggs on the church and then, you know, let them deal with it. And you just get to leave, go back home. Uh, that didn't happen here because I came back and I was thinking, you know, we're going to go, you know, what are we doing, Rod? You know, and, and Rod said, you don't come into our church and say that stuff and not do the work. He says, we're going to do the teardown today. And, and so he dragged me into it, but I love demo, so it was awesome. There used to be a folding screen door here, but it, it weighed like 100 pounds every three feet. And so I remember we were cutting that. There was like three different kinds of air conditioning in here, and um, it was a fun day, man. We shredded the place. I think some of you were here. And so anyways, it's been neat to see the transformation, but... Um, it's also been wild because it's like the faces have changed over the years. And now we haven't been here for two years. How many of you have never seen my mug before? Uh, see, tons again, right? So I apologize in advance. Um, <laughs> but we're friends, so they're like, well, we'll let you preach, and then we'll recover the next week. So, um, it, yeah. So uh, as far as church building, I, I can't measure that, but as far as friendship... Um, there, we don't have really anybody in our lives who is what Rod and Valleys does. And not only as a couple, and um, I've already said this once, so I got, to, I got to sneak it in to say it to her, but a lot of times when we lump people together, you know, it's, it's Rod and Val, it's a, but they're, they're uniquely different. Um, uh, Rod brings this heart of love that I've almost never seen in a man. I know the the revelation of God's love has touched us, and also I know it's going deeper in him. Um, but also Val, in a different way, is as special to us. And she is somebody who, like, when she speaks into my life, I listen. And I have made radical changes on small things that she's said, things that she's prophesied to us. Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated, things like this. And... Uh, <laughs> And so um, if you're going to tolerate me, I'll just head out the door. you got an early lunch. So uh, that's what we'll do. They're very, very special to us. And also the way that they uh, have allowed us to make so many friends uh, in the house. And um, that's really, really nice because a lot of pastors, you know, are, are uh, they're more jealous with their people. But there's always seems to be an extension of Rod and Val in our lives. And I mentioned um, that John and Jesslyn uh, came to my son's wedding, which was awesome. But, you know, other things, we went through some hard stuff uh, a while ago, and one of my regular most encouraging people was Joey Covey, who would be sending me texts, how are you, how, are you okay? And this is coming out of Flagler, so it always seems to be an extension of, of what Rod and Val have done. All right, 
I'm a bit of a hunter and a fisherman, so I have a fishing story to tell. Captain Bob from this church knew that I wanted to catch a redfish. I've been on boats where people caught redfish, and I never have caught one. I was like, I want to catch a redfish. So he took me out, and I'd like to say I've checked the box. I caught two of them. So that's pretty awesome. And um, one we threw back. He's still out there, so don't feel too sorry for all of them. And one is, uh, the other one I liked so well, though I, th I think he'll be really tasty. And so uh, I have that. But I had a little bit of fish packed, and um, we didn't get a chance to eat it here. So Rod said, I'll pack your fish. I says, that's awesome. And he did such a good job. He put it in a cooler. It was completely packed in ice. And you know how Jesus fed like thousands with just like loaves and fishes and stuff? Well, I almost thought we were getting into some miracle stuff because when we got to Kissimmee, I unpacked that fish and it turned it, two pounds of fish turned into 20 pounds of chicken. And um, for Lynette, that was a great trade because Lynette doesn't even really like fish. So um, that, was, that was nice. Nice that we, we had that. So anyways, it's a funny way to get a miracle started, but we try. So that's what we're doing. I've tried to catch a good angle of what we can cover here, but I've been watching the whole series that you've been doing. I do my homework, and uh, it's been very, very good. And I almost felt like people were stealing my, the, what I was working on because it just kept getting said. At the beginning, Rod talked about the relationship we have with God and the capacity especially and God's desire to love us. Then Val talked about the mud that we can get into, but that God is always making a way for the mud. I think she threatened to throw mud on you, uh, which is awesome, I think. I mean, it would be quite a service, but uh, I don't know how that would work. Then Rod came back and talked about God's plan in the storm. If you missed that one, go back. They're all online. You can catch these. And then Gavin, he talked about uh, transform the transformation of the inner man. And I didn't leave Harlan out. I just wanted to leave him to last because he talked about how soft drinks and coffee have water in them. And I ascribe to that, and that has been, uh, finally someone said it from the pulpit. I'm so happy about that. Um, but he said more than that. He said that uh, faithfulness brings contentment, contentment, which is the cure for anxiety. It's also the cure for mumbling, possibly, because I feel like I'm missing words right now. So, all right. When we think about walking with God, though, don't we think about our effort towards God? We, what more can we do? How do we walk closer to God? Where is he? How do we find him sometimes? And um, before we get too deep into this, I just want to say that uh, without going into it too far, one of the things that helps us walk with God so well is if we understand his attributes, when we understand the character of God, I think if you, that's where you can get into the thing where you can study about Jesus, but you don't get to know him because you don't exactly know what he is like in his ways. Um, I like what Bill Johnson says where he says there's sort of four pillars to sort of understanding God, and these are what they are. And we'll just mention them because it'll help us understand where we're going this morning. Number one, God is good. Always good. Uh, you know, man can disappoint you at every corner. God will not disappoint you. He will not miss it. He cannot blow it. It's not in his character. Number two, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. I know sometimes we come up against it and we feel now we're in the impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. Number three, everything was purchased at the cross. There's nothing that was left undone. The current fight that we have is really us and the enemy. God is not having a power struggle with the devil. 
that's done. He's done it. He's done the work. It's us who has that power struggle because it's really a greater glory if God allows his children to do things that will take down the ways of the, the things the enemy is trying to do and this sort of stuff. And that's why we need to have just discernment uh, so we can do that stuff. And number four, everyone is significant. There is no one who is insignificant in the kingdom of God. And uh, the enemy likes to make people feel they're alone, they're insignificant, they don't matter. That's not God. God believes that we're all uh, important because he sees us all. Each of us is walking a road, and news for you, your life won't start tomorrow. It's on now. The journey is now, and you'll all know through your own grid that you're on some kind of trajectory And this may not be a message for everyone this morning, but I believe that this morning God is going to take some people and he's going to change some things, give you some kind of revelation of himself you haven't seen before, and it will change your trajectory. Religion tells us that our good behaviors gets us further or closer from God. Anyone remember the game Snakes and Ladders? Right? Young people are going, it doesn't sound like a good video game. It probably isn't. But you move the pieces. If you land on a snake, you go all the way down. If you land on a ladder, you go all the way up. And the thing is, a lot of times we treat our Christian life like that. You know what? It's going pretty good. God must be fairly happy. And then it's going bad, and it's like, yeah, you know what? It's not going very well. It's like the difference between men and women when they look in the mirror. Women will find the one thing they don't like about themselves, and then they'll stare at it, and they'll be like, this is awful. (laughs) Men will find the one thing that's good on their body, and they'll say, I'm awesome. good enough. <laughs> Notice my jaw muscles are getting a little thin. So uh, sometimes you have to work out. Oh boy, did I paint myself into a corner. There's nothing there on the notes. Right? Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Snakes and ladders. But God's not like that. In fact, he is the one who is constantly trying to reveal himself to men and women and when we recognize Jesus, when, we t- when he touches us, I guarantee it changes everything. There's no greater moment in time when our own doubts and with the things that we, we have going on, when we find that sometimes God's effort to walk with us is actually not only present, I would, I would submit to you that um, as big an effort as you can make to walk with God, God's pursuit of you is greater. God's pursuit of you is greater. It's just a matter of having that discernment so that you can realize where he is, even in the difficult circumstances. It's not do good, get good, do bad, get bad. It's a little bit different than that. So that sets us up to get onto one of my favorite stories. It used to be David and Goliath, and the, uh, but the road to Emmaus. We're going to talk about that, and we're mostly just going to read the scripture and comment as we go, because this is so loaded. This is the time when uh, the title gets switched a little bit, instead of walking with God, it's like those times when God just walks with us. And you you didn't do anything. You don't deserve it. I've had several times like that in my life. But uh, this is a beautiful story, and we're just going to pull it out. And if it's okay, I'll have a little bit of, uh, I need a little bit of leeway on this story, because I'm going to expand a little, maybe more than I should. Not not more than I should, but I'm going to take a few cracks at um, what's going on in this story. And uh, hopefully we can have a little bit of fun too, because I don't really like boring preaching, so I'm trying not to be boring. Okay, thanks. Okay, Luke 24, 13 to 16. The good news is you won't have to flip pages in your Bible. We're pretty much going to be in Luke 24. 
And behold, on that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, which was six, 60 stadia from Jerusalem, about seven miles, all right? And when they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place, while they were discussing, Jesus himself approached them by traveling with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They didn't see that the one joining them as they traveled this road to Emmaus was actually Jesus. They, and there's, it says they're disciples of him, so we know that they know who he is. It's like they've been wanting to follow him. Jesus has just had his greatest victory, the greatest victory of all time. He's resurrected, and now, instead of staying in Jerusalem, they're like, yeah, we're out of here, and they're on this road walking away from where the Lord just had his greatest victory of all time. And it's kind of funny. You would think that Jesus would have to have some kind of intensity about, okay, we've got what? Just remind me, Father, 40 days till the ascension, also, in that time, we're going to say, everyone stay in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to fall. We got to get that to happen and stuff. And you think maybe Jesus isn't that good of a time manager or something because it's like, why is he leaving the point of his greatest victory and he's heading down the road with these two? We're going to answer that question as we go through. When it says on this very day, it really means right after the resurrection. So you've got Jesus, but now you've got the resurrected Jesus and the how is he going to spend his time? This is going to be his first contact. The women went to the tomb, right? The, then they reported. They, then, then some of the disciples went to the tomb, didn't see him. And it's like, nobody's going to see him. These are the first people that are going to see the resurrected Jesus. Can you imagine? Jesus approaches them, not able to recognize him. Something has blinded them from seeing that he's there. Something sometimes blinds us from seeing that he's right there with us. And I don't like the idea that I can't find him in my circumstances. I, I've spent a lot of time wanting to know the Lord, wanting to understand how he walks. Yes, I try to walk with him, but I've also realized that sometimes he just walks with me. And that sounds arrogant, doesn't it? You know, the Lord will walk with me. I just doesn't mean you're doing what you want. It's like, it's a mutual thing. It's a relationship that we actually have with the Lord. And so... It's not snakes and ladders. The temptation is to think that sometimes when things are difficult or uh, that kind of thing, well, God must not be here. Not true. Sometimes if things are going very, very smooth, oh, God must be here. Sometimes also not true. We have to discern and say, what is God calling me to? What does he want us to do? And I know that um, he also is always in our circumstances. Okay, 17 to 21. And he said to them, and this is so awesome. If you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, you will have to reread your Bible. What are these words you're exchanging as you're walking? He's like, what are you talking about? And they came and stopped and looked at him. And one of them named Cleopas answers and says to him, are you possibly the only one living near Jerusalem who doesn't know about these things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what sorts of things? playing with them a little bit. Those things about Jesus the Nazarene, who proved to be a mighty prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And then indeed, if you want the extra shot, it's like, 
Besides all this, it's the third day already and it didn't happen. We're out of here. We're getting out of Jerusalem. So Cleopas, and this is where I ask for a little bit of liberty, but the best look at who this disciple is, because it's not Peter, John, James, it's none of those guys. They're actually in Jerusalem and they're in a room hiding because they're afraid for themselves. I said in the first service, they're like, hey, everybody, make sure your cell phones are off and put them in the lead box so no one can track us. And they're saying, what's a cell phone? I don't know. What's a lead box? I don't know. So, but they're hiding. They're, they don't want to be caught. These two have said, we're out of here. We're, we're, we're going, we're, we're, we're going to move along. But it's most likely, if you had to guess, Cleopas is actually the brother of Joseph, the adopted father of Jesus. And most likely the reason the second disciple isn't mentioned by name is because it's probably his wife. And so now Jesus goes, the first conversation I'm going to have, everyone's here, this is where it's going to happen in Jerusalem. It's like, whoa, but what are they doing going out there? And he goes after them. That's an example of when God walks with us. Because they would have known him from a child. They would have known about the dream that Joseph had, the circumstances around Mary and Joseph, and where did this baby come from? Hold it, what, what are you talking about? And then they would have seen him grow up. They would have seen the miracles. They would have been following love. They're disciples of him, and now all their hopes are dashed. It's like, we thought he was going to be this great prophet. We watched him his whole life, and now forget it. We're out of here. That's what's happening. But Jesus is going, yeah, I'm not going to let you escape that quickly. So Jesus plays... It's not really coy. Coy kind of means it's, they're being shy. It's more like secret agent. It's more like, hey, what you talking about? What sorts of things are you talking about? What kind of stuff? And here's the really, really cute thing. They start explaining Jesus to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's just gone through. I mean, the most hellish, like the literally, uh, the worst thing you could imagine. And the resurrected Jesus is now with them. And he's like, Listen, and I th honestly, I think it's so cute when they're like, are you the only person who doesn't know what's going on? <laughs> like, think about it. I'm really comfortable in this room because some of you are acting a little Canadian. Like, you need to, it's funny. <laughs> let, let me explain to you. See, he was a prophet. He was doing the stuff. And we thought, like, and now it's just like he was supposed to be resurrected, like, hours ago. We thought he'd be sitting on a throne somewhere in the temple, and it didn't happen, so we're out of here. Done deal. Boy, do we ever do that to God? God, by Thursday, if this doesn't happen, then I don't know what you're doing, because I read your promises. I read the, th you know, and, we, and don't we do that? I do that to God. I've done that to God. Bad idea, by the way. Don't do it. It's just like, he is sovereign. He is the one who has timing and things and stuff. And many times, because maybe we're in time, it's worse for us, but it's just like, God knows what he's doing. And he will not fail you. Does it mean you're going to have all ease in life? Come on. I learned, you know, pretty early on. It's just like, no, life can get really hard. Let's be honest. Because we're living on a fallen 
planet. We're living in a sinful state. Our, our natural thing is not to do right. I think it's so sad when people are like, people are actually good and getting better. No, they're not. They're bad, and they'd be worse, and they're, they're absolutely decrepit without Jesus. All of us. That's the truth. And then as we keep reading, and I love this, I was a little afraid to read this when Val was going to be here, but since it's her church. Uh, yeah, yours together, I know. But also some women among us, among us left us bewildered. <laughs> Guys, would you stand? And we, no, I'm just, don't stand, actually. It'd be really unwise to stand if a woman's ever left you bewildered. When they were at the tomb early in the morning, see, they didn't find his body, but they came saying that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. So we went to someone reputable, like we got some guys, and then the men went, and they found it exactly as the women had also said, but see, they also didn't see him. It was, he wasn't there. So we're a little bit confused here. What they're saying is, you know what? The proof is, we didn't see him, so he must not be there. And sometimes that's us. You know what? Don't see God in these circumstances. He must not be there. But what happens to, I will never leave or forsake you? What happens that, you know, if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, it's like, I'll be right there with you. It's like, you know, the key there is just, you've heard it said before, just don't stop walking, get out of there, keep moving. So we've given... God sometimes this tiny little space to answer a question or to do something miraculous and stuff like that. It's not that he doesn't want to do it, but it's that he's always found on the journey, not at the destination. That's where the Lord is found. He's found in the details so many times, not in the headlines of our lives. But faith would have said, you know, we're on a journey. It didn't look like how we wanted it to go, but he could still show up today. And sometimes as we live this Christian life, you know, we just get so busy peddling, peddling, peddling uh, the life that we live, and sometimes we forget. Do you understand whatever your circumstance is, brother, sister in Christ? It's like, he can show up today. He can change anything. He's good, and nothing is impossible for him. Everything has already been paid for by him, and you're significant enough that sometimes, although you try to walk with God, he'll just come and walk with you because you need the help. And now it gets good because now Jesus starts talking. And he says to them, you know, he always starts with something good, so it draws people, you foolish men. <laughs> yes. And when he says men, it's a very generic term. So my, disciple, my other disciple still could be a woman. Don't, don't throw that against that. You foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to come into his glory? And then this next part makes me so jealous for Jesus. I'm jealous for my friends. I'm jealous for Jesus. And it says, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explains to them the things written about himself in the scriptures. The risen Lord on a two-hour walk, I contend in sandals, it's got to take longer. Maybe two and a half, maybe, whoever, let's say it's a two-hour walk. And he sits there, goes through the scripture, and the risen Lord explains, this is where I was in the scripture. Here's where I was in, 
you know, all, all the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, but then the prophets said this, and that's me. And then they said, this would happen to me. And didn't you read in Elijah where it said, you know, I'd be broken. That was me. And he's teaching all these things and they're drinking it all in. They still haven't recognized him. But can you imagine that conversation with the risen Lord? Unbelievable. It almost gives me goosebumps. I would almost trade my life to be one of these people just for those two miles. Awesome. Jesus gives a soft rebuke. But then he uses his first conversation as a resurrected Jesus to tell him all these things. And again, he's revealing this all the way on the journey. Didn't say this in the first service. I guess you do get an extra. I missed a point. Where is Emmaus today? They don't exactly know. They don't exactly know. And I think that's okay, because guess what? Every one of us has roads where we're walking like we're going to Emmaus. You know, those moments where we go, God, I'm not sure where you are, but, um, you know, I, I, need you to, I need you to show me what to do. Like, how do I move? How do I go? We all have those roads. But the thing is, he will meet us on those roads. And then it gets even more exciting because Jesus goes back into spy mode. In Luke 24, 28, 31, he says, And they approached the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going further kind of playing with them a little bit. He's like, uh, okay, guys, see ya. Take, I'm taking off now. And they're like, whoa, whoa. And they said, we're strongly urging you, I guess, however, stay with us. It's getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. And it came about when he had reclined at the table with them, and he took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it and began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him and he vanishes. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus has his, his Marvel pants on or something going on here. He's checking out his new resurrected superpower, and he vanishes from sight at the moment that they recognize him. This is, this is an amazing story. And again, he's going to start using those superpowers back in Jerusalem, but they said, uh, I won't read it, but they said, you know, didn't you know our hearts were burning when he was teaching us these things? And it's like, we should have known, you know, because they had given up all hope and they go from a place where all hope is dashed. It's like he was not the one who's going to establish the kingdom of God here. And all of a sudden they're sitting there and they're the first people to go, it's true. It's true. And not it looks like it might be true. Not like, oh, did they steal the body? Like, what happened? Oh, we didn't get to use our spices on the body. You know, it's, it's true. We saw him. And now they're the first witnesses of that exact thing. Isn't it interesting that Jesus appears when they all sit down and kind of relax? Sometimes I think it's just too busy for God. I think sometimes he might be like, hey, um, oh, yeah, you guys are busy, so up. Come back. Sometimes the Spirit of God, I think he might be like, okay, I'm just going to interject into, you know, uh, uh, like a lot of busyness going on there. It's just like maybe I can, maybe I can come back. We got to make space for him. And by space, I don't mean your prayer time. I don't mean your, your active Bible reading, your active praying. Oh, Lord, we need, it's okay. It's all good stuff. But sometimes you just need to be like, God, I'm going to take a moment because I'm just wondering if you might answer something here. You know, when David made his big mistake, it was because 
not, this is not the mistake. He kept inquiring of the Lord. It says, and David inquired of the Lord, and then he knew what to do. And David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord, and then he made a cart and put a thing on it, and his friends touches it, and he dies. As soon as you stop inquiring of the Lord. Sometimes we quit inquiring of the Lord a little bit too early. We need to keep saying, God, what about this? What do you think I should do? And get that thing where, and I can't teach you exactly how to hear God, but I know the way that I hear him. And usually it comes as a heart of compassion for something that you see, or it comes as a random thought. And I'm going, I'm not thinking about that. And then God will prompt you to do that. So there's also something very cool. I'm going to probably destroy a piece of bread here. But they're relaxed. They're going to have a meal. I don't know if this looks like a meal or a little bit less appetizing than the first service. It was fresher. Um, But here's the thing. This is how it might have happened. He goes to break the bread, and he goes, here you go. Did you see it? You saw it right away, didn't you? Did you see it? Here you go. Here you go. He goes to break the bread, and then all of a sudden they see it. They realize it's, it's him. And not just it's him. All our hopes that have been dashed and, and, and hammered in these circumstances, it's like it can't be true. And all of a sudden, all the hope in the world, they see him, and he, and he disappears. Isn't it amazing, this God that we serve? Isn't it amazing that they got to live that? To realize that God had been with them on that whole journey out. And here's the cool thing. As soon as they find out, guess what they do? We got to go back to Jerusalem. We were on the road to Emmaus. This is not the way we're so We need to go back to Jerusalem. We need to tell the others. And they get there before he does. But then the next part of Luke 24 is that whole story about, oh, no, now he walks through the wall where they're kitty bar the door. And he's like, hey, it's me. And guess what he's doing at that time? Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. It's me. Isn't that awesome, hey? Okay, so how does this relate to us? When Rod was preaching the very first of this sermon, oh good, I'm still counting down. When Rod was, um, when Ron, he was preaching the first of this sermon, all of a sudden I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about, about Flagler, and I, think, I was thinking this is my message, and so I started writing things down. We were actually listening, we were on a different thing, and um, and when I went and reviewed it and went back to what he was preaching, he was talking about that sometimes God just goes after the one instead of the 99. He was talking about that the motivation of why we have this relationship with God is really God's capacity of love for us, his pursuit of us. And it was so wild to kind of review my notes, listen to Rod, and then say, well, I'm on the same page. That's good. But it's just like he already said all the stuff that I just wrote. So I'm like, what's the exercise about it's about just being on the, it's about being on the same page. And I was like, Lord, you got to give me something like three, four weeks in advance because people keep robbing from what you're telling me. And uh, not really like that. But um, yeah, so I will tell you the short version. Um, I'm a hunter and a fisherman and I like that stuff. And, you know, when you tune your ear to the things that you want to be tuned to, it's like, it's amazing what can actually do. They actually say that the eye gate, although it can, it's sort of a quicker response, it only has a certain capacity for what it can see, but the ear can take in much more information and it actually goes deep down into your soul. That's why there's times where God said, hear, O Israel. He didn't say, see, O Israel. 
Because the hearing actually goes very, very deep. When the word of God comes to you, when the truth of his word, or he speaks to you, it's like it goes down deep and it's like it'll lock in, it'll lock in hard. I damaged my eye in an accident where I actually pierced the globe of my eye. This is where we usually hand out the bags that they have on planes for you to throw up. Um, but bottom line is, um, I was like, hey, doc, how's my vision going to go? And he's like, no, you don't understand. We're trying to save your eyeball. And I'm like, oh. And now I'm imagining being like, you know, I'm going to have a patch or a glass eye for the rest. That was weird. A patch or a glass eye for the rest of my life, you know. I'll only be able to cheer for Tampa Bay for the rest of time because of, you know, I'll do the pirate thing or whatever. And um, <laughs> that was new. <laughs> and, and I didn't like it. And, and to be honest, I was mad at God. And I was I was pretty inactive. I was gaining weight. And I was sitting there. And once they did the surgery and stuff, I was just feeling sorry for myself. And I was mad at him. And I said, you know what, God? If you want to take me, you can take me. But don't take me piece by piece. That's rude. (laughs) And I'm laying there. I mean, I'm just telling you. Like, my relationship with God, sometimes it's honest. Like, do you want to know? Okay, do you want to know how honest? Because I have a little bit of time. One time I decided, you know what, I think the reason that I'm not seeing more of the Holy Spirit is because I'm not praying enough. And we are actually on holidays, can't remember where, but I said, I'm going to pray four hours a day. I said to my wife, you know, can you handle this? Because like, well, maybe, you know, kids, kids might be running around and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to pray four hours a day. And she's like, go for it. So I'd go pray four hours a day in the pool area. And I'm shut that about close to, you know, in the pool, and, uh, and I'm in the hot tub and whatever, and 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 he's and he's not and he's not saying anything, and I'm like, I know, I know, I got to do the work, and then at the end, a mighty thing will happen to me, the the hot tub will churn in a different way or something is going to happen. And then I can go home, and I will be so full of the Holy Spirit. So I, I can wait you out, and I'm just like, just praying four hours a day, doing it for my whole holiday. I get to the last day, and I'm like, where are you? I'm stomping around. I mean, you could literally hear that. You know that sound at the pool? Slap, slap, slap when your feet are wet? Yeah, I'm starting to get antsy. I'm, I'm stepping around and, and kind of getting upset about it. And finally, I lose it, and I go. And I, gladly, people would have thought I was a madman because nobody was around. It was night. And finally, I just went, I'm not recommending this, I'm just reporting. And I said, yeah, well, you're not talking, well, then I'm not talking. (laughs) It was kind of like a movie I saw where the guy's like, yeah, you know what? And I I stomped off and I'm like, he's not saying anything. And and we we get on the airplane to go home. And I said, and let me tell you something else. I said, I am not ready to go and stand in front of those people because you didn't do anything to fill me up. And also, it's just like, this, this has been too short and whatever, and, it's, and, and whatever. And, uh, you know, and we'll probably never get to travel again. We, go, we come down here, and it's just like, you know, we've spent our money on these flights and everything. And all of a sudden, we walk up to the next plane we're supposed to get on, and I can see there's people in a line standing around the counter. I'm like, oh, no. Lynette's got back problems. We've got two little kids. And I go, we got to be on that plane. i got to be at church tomorrow. I'm the pastor of a church. 
And they're like, nah, you can't get on this plane. Tell you what, though, we'll give you vouchers for your family. There's your, so you can fly again anytime. At that time, airlines were a little bit more, you know, kinder, nicer. And um, <laughs> they get, gave us all free flights, gave us hotel, gave us food or whatever. And I call my pastor. I'm really worried. I'm like, listen, we got stuck. We, we can't be there on Sunday. So sorry. Like, don't fire me. And, um, and then we're on the plane, and I'm literally back in that relaxed state, and I'm leaning back on the plane. And I'm just like going, because I said, I'm not ready to meet with those people. It's like, we'll probably never get to fly again. And I've got this little list of grievances, and I'm laying back, and all of a sudden I just hear him say, anything else? <laughs> That's how he can answer you. That simply, right? Because it's not through your effort that it's going to happen that way. It's through your trust in the Lord that whenever you need him to show up on any Emmaus road, he will show up. He will show up. He will meet you where you're at. Um, Val encouraged me to do something, so I'm, I'm going to really sheepishly uh, start near the doorway. I, I saw in the worship, the Lord showed me how concerned you are. He showed me that there's a weight of concern with you, and he wants you to know that he's going to step into those situations because it actually is too much for you to hold up. It actually is too much for you to hold up. And you've been concerned even sleep. And the first sign of what's happening with you is that he's going to improve your sleep. You're going to sleep like a baby, trust me. And Yeah. <laughs> but babies don't sleep well. But you'll... You're going to... What could I say then? You're going to sleep like a what? Like someone who's been re recently concussed. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I'm not speaking that over you. God will bring sleep so he can bring rest. And you know what? Um, it's just that it's, all he's really asking you is just, you know what? Just trust me with this. Trust me with this. And it's just like, don't, don't take it. Let, give it back. Give it back to him. It's just like, am I talking to the right guy? Did I do okay? Okay. So anyways... So Lord, Lord wants to do that. Um, I said in the first service, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. And there's enough people here, and just indicate that, that you, know, you need to get your, right, your life right with God, or maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Um, you can definitely do that today, and um, I, won't, I won't just do it. Make, it. make it happen. Talk to one of the pastors. Talk to one of the leaders here, and they'll help you with that. But I really felt that the whole purpose of this message is kind of a sort of an Easter message, right? But I really felt like there's going to be a few people here where God is like, I'm going to interrupt them. I'm going to show up on their road because the circumstances are just getting too thick, too heavy, too tough. And yeah, and I was waiting for where Holy Spirit would show up and I see it with you. And those are the people that he was looking for this morning. So, Father, whatever's going on right here with this beautiful lady, thank you, Lord, that you'll just come up on the road right beside her. Thank you that you'll just come up right beside her. So, he will. That's not, that's not just raw emotion. That's, that's an identifier this morning that he's saying, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to give it back to me. Let me have the burden. It's like too big. I'm going to take it. He'll change the trajectory for you. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel, if I said, you know, does everybody want to walk closer to Jesus? We're all going to say yes. But that's not really what I'm, do that. But it's not really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are saying, right now, I have identifiers that are telling me that the Spirit of God is saying, either it'll either look like God's revealing something to you, like you're seeing Jesus in a new way, that he actually will show up, that he actually won't miss it. And for those people, I just want to pray for you because I actually have an expectation that God will do it. So I know it's not going to be everybody, but how many of you are saying just through the word and what we heard here, it says, I think it's me. I think it's me. Put your hand up for that. Okay, that's awesome. Awesome. I'm looking around because I just want to see. I want to identify with you. Yeah, like everybody thinks you can handle everything, right? You're a go-to guy. I know how that feels too, right? And then you realize there's lots and lots of people who are almost like if, if, you, if you don't step in, it's like nothing gets done. You're a doer. God sees that, but he also sees the way that you've served and stuff like that. And God wants you to know it's just like there's some time for yourself too. There's some time for you to just for yourself. And part of a man's safety is that um, you allow recreation into your life. And sometimes your own responsibility keep you from doing things that you like to do. Just, but there's also, a, there's also a safety and a protection in just having recreation. And so I know that might sound weird or I don't know if that matches up, but I just see a lot of people who rely on you and they know you're faithful and all that and God sees that and he rewards that. But he's also like, yeah, but you know what? Take care of you too. There's, there's sidebar stuff that he'd like to do with you that you haven't thought of because you're just so busy handling everyone else's, I don't want to say business, but they're, you're helping. You're a, you're a helper, right? Is that, is that okay? Okay, cool. So you don't really need me to get a, a word. You just need to know that God wants to do it for you, and then you need to listen, and he will say good stuff over you. He really will. So... He wants to move, you know. He wants, he wants people who can who can hear his voice. He he wants people who will even take chances. Um, silly little thing. The other day, I woke up and I had an uh, address in my head, and I said to Rod, "Do you know what this address is?" And he was like, "No." And I'm like, "It's out on, it's it's this address, County Road 35, out in Bunnell." So my wife and I said. Well, we should go drive, see what the Lord's doing out there. Looked like a sod farm to me. I mean, I don't know, Jerry, you want to buy it? Um, <laughs> but you know what? You try to listen. To, to, you try to listen. And you try to just take some chances. And it doesn't mean everything that you hear is going to be right. But you practice discernment. And when you practice discernment, it's funny. Little things will pop into your head that are really of no consequence. You know, you'll notice that um, the bongo player also plays kazoo or something. There's something in his mouth, and I don't know what that's about. You'll notice that Fred and Denise have matching shoes, except Denise's are a little higher than Fred's. Yeah, there's... Unplanned. Oh, unplanned? Okay, they're just like this. I saw. You'll just... You know what? It just helps you to notice people. How many... Okay, how about this? We'll end with this. How many of you just like your discernment increased? Stand up for that. Stand up for that. God needs discerning Christians. He needs discerning Christians who know their time, know what they're into. Just raise your hands, not to me, but up to the Lord. 
Father, I just pray that you would just increase discernment, Lord. Increase discernment in Jesus' name. I just ask, Lord, that you would give them more of yourself, more of your uh, wisdom, Lord, of your knowledge, all the gifts, Lord, that help us to walk in those words of knowledge, in knowing where things are going, for our life, for our families. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would just give that to them, Lord, and that they would know how you're moving, and that when they step into it, that they will have it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You can sit down. Okay, last thing, because I'm a frustrated preacher. I like preaching. When we say, when we bind things and loose things, we, what I, whatever I bind in will be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose will be loosed in heaven. Backwards. What the scripture actually says is, whatever you bind with discernment, it really means, it will already have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will already have been loosed in heaven. The idea is we don't just go around going, I bind you. It's just like, that's not the picture. The picture is, Lord, what are you doing in this situation? Oh, you are, and it's actually sometimes the opposite. It's like, it's not, it's not, it's not binding an evil spirit necessarily all the time. It's like, I am binding you to the spirit of wisdom for your business. Sometimes it, I am loosing that disease from having a hold of you. It's just like, and whatever it is in heaven, if we speak it, we're just agreeing with heaven. And then you know what? That stuff will happen. You can watch it happen. And I've been avoiding you. I'm actually avoiding walking to this side because God keeps putting a light on James for me. And I'm trying to avoid that because I feel like it's like I'm double-minded or something. But I just see the Lord going, he's going to drop blueprints for the future because you're really asking the questions now. You're really asking. It's kind of weird, right, because you get a level of success, and then it's sort of like, you know, you can almost just ride that for a while, like, but every wave dies. You know that. And it's just like he's going he's gonna to show you how to move, how to go forward. And um, I feel like I got to be faithful in that. And, um, yeah, there's one other thing I missed, but I can catch it later because... I felt like God wanted us to snap our fingers by Harlan's ears, but I felt weird coming up when he was here, so we'll do that later. Um, isn't God good? Thank you. Um, with my eye, felt I didn't finish the story on my eye. Thanks, Rod. I was, I was, I was feeling sorry for myself, mad at God, and all of a sudden I'm watching a Christmas special. There's a country music singer who's also Christian. He wrote a song about Christ coming down for his subjects and how there was, um, you know, salvation and healing and this kind of stuff. And normally when Holy Spirit really, really gets me, I'll, I'll cry, I'll just tears flow like crazy. And um, all of a sudden I feel the power of God come over my body, just power, like electricity, I start crying like crazy, so much so that I'm wiping my eyes. TV is on. With my left eye, I could only see the, um, that there's a light in the TV. I can't read anything. And as I'm wiping my eyes like this, and I cover my good eye, all of a sudden I'm like, I sit up. Lynette says, what's going on? I said, Ford, F-150, $3.98 a month. Like, and I can, <laughs> and it was, it was a Ford commercial. And I, and I could read it. And it wasn't a, it was not a healing. It was not a healing. It was an instantaneous miracle. And now I have 20-20 vision in that eye that had 13 stitches in it. 
the way that they sewed up my eye, it's, just, it's a long story, but they, they learned a way that they could improve eye surgeries. I went in and said, my eye's healed. Can you check it? And, he, and I wrote, read a chart. Doctor walks out, walks in with three doctors. Read this other chart. I read it. They walk out. Six doctors come in. And then he sits with me with tears in his eyes, and he says, we've been looking for an answer about why we're not getting better results with, like, eye injuries. And because your eye got sewn up in two different stages, the way they had to do it, they said, we think that we found something. And, um, and uh, he says, this is going to help hundreds of thousands of people with their vision. And then I go back, and the Lord takes me back to a place where I said, God, do anything with me, whatever you want. And he's like, I took yet your word. So now I pray, don't hurt me, Lord. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Kirstel, this walk that we have of the faith and faith in God, it's real. It's, there's no pretenses. Something I always ask my children. I said, if the day you see me being different in the pulpit, different in the congregation, and different from when I'm at home, call me up on it. We've got to be real. And we've got to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, because that's our dad. And so he wants us to, to be real. And that's what you're going to get with Dwayne. You're going to get real. And, uh, and so just sense that. This is something part of our walk that we need to just look at and see um, what God's saying because we all have blind spots. In our natural eye, we have a blind spot because that's where the optic nerve comes in and detaches and there's no vision right there. So I think there's a place you can find it by moving your finger. Yeah, you can see you lose your finger. And, but in the natural, we all have blind spots. And I think the Word of God could reveal to us today we have blind spots. And so, so Father, help me. And sometimes the one and others are very important in our life because it helps us with our blind spots. And so let's get real with our journey and uh, let's have fun in our journey. And if they say there's no laughter in the church, well, then maybe Jesus is not here because Jesus is full of laughter and I can, I can imagine him playing some real jokes on the disciples in the ocean when the waves are going crazy and he just walks up and he frightens the heck out of them, you know. Um, I think they had quite a bit of fun with them. Yeah, But I want to pray for you, release you to go and touch a needy, dying world. I think the Word of God and our time together encouraged us and stirred us up because it did me. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you that your love saturates us. And the gathering of the one another's, your presence is there. And in that presence, Father, we become exhilarated and excited and stirred up and equipped so that we can go out to a needy dying world because that's where your heart is that's where your treasure is my god is with those that are lost that need to come home and so help us to draw those that need to come home to come home and we pray this in jesus name amen amen i just want to